Good morning, and welcome to Apollo Global Management's second quarter earnings conference call. During today's discussion, all callers will be placed in listen-only mode. And following management's prepared remarks, the conference call will be open for questions. Please limit yourself to one question and then rejoin the queue. This conference call is being recorded. This call may include forward-looking statements and projections, which do not guarantee future events or performance. Please refer to Apollo's most recent SEC filings for risk factors related to these statements. Apollo will be discussing certain non-GAAP measures on this call, which management believes are relevant in assessing the financial performance of the business. These non-GAAP measures are reconciled to GAAP figures in Apollo's earnings presentation, which is available on the company's website. Also note that nothing on this call constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any interest in any Apollo fund. I would now like to turn the call over to Noah Gunn, Global Head of Investor Relations. Thanks, Operator, and welcome again to our call this morning. Earlier today, we published our earnings release and financial supplement on the stockholders portion of our website. Additionally, for those who are not able to tune in live, we have the presentation and video replay of the Retirement Services Business Update we hosted in June available on our website. For the second quarter, we reported record quarterly fee-related earnings of $341 million, or 57 cents per share, and spread-related earnings of $442 million, or 74 cents per share, which together totaled $783 million, or $1.30 per share. We also reported normalized SRE of $535 million, or 89 cents per share, which was also a record and increased 10% quarter over quarter. In total, we reported adjusted net income of $566 million, or $0.94 cents per share. Joining me this morning to discuss our results in further detail are Mark Rowan, CEO, Jim Zelter, Co-President, and Martin Kelly, CFO. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Mark. Thank you, Noah, and good morning. Um, this is among my favorite weeks. Um, it's the week when our next class of associates uh, join Apollo, and we do our best to integrate them into our firm and our culture. And it's also a good chance for us just to step back and really synthesize for them the things that make our firm unique. And there are three that I always focused on. The first, our business, in fact, our industry, is built on the proposition of excess return per unit of risk. We're not in the AUM business. We're not in the fee business. We're in the business of providing clients excess return per unit of risk. So long as we do that, the business will take care of itself, as it has this quarter and throughout this year. Um, the second, and it's a very different proposition than almost anyone else in our industry, we are an aligned investor. Our retirement services balance sheets through Athena and Athora are among the largest investors in each of our products, side by side with our third-party institutional and retail clients. Alignment is something unique in our industry and is something of great comfort to our clients, particularly during periods of market volatility. And finally, and I know it will bring a smile to people in this room and elsewhere, we do one thing really well, purchase price matters. Purchase price matters is a philosophy that starts with the protection of principle and is embedded in absolutely everything that we do. We approach our credit business, 
purchase price matters. We want to be top of the capital structure, senior secured. We approach our equity business in that we want to buy growth, but we don't want to pay for it, so we're prepared to work hard. The reality is purchase price matters as a strategy has allowed us to play offense in every corner of our business this quarter, and it could not have been a better quarter in terms of execution and strategic progress. I'll do a quick tour of what I think were the highlights of the quarter, and then Jim and Martin will certainly add to it. Uh, as Noah stated, record FRE for the quarter. You should expect FRE to accelerate in the back half of the year and into 23, consistent with the estimates we provided you in our investor day back in October. Record SRE, particularly on a normalized basis this quarter. 36 billion of inflows. The calendar was a little bit unkind to us and did not include a first close on Fund 10, which would have added 13 billion to this total. But make no mistake, that will show up in next year. This morning, we also announced the multi-billion dollar launch of S3, our GP and LP solutions business. We launched this quarter our first next generation global wealth product, Apollo Aligned Alternatives, which I will spend some time on throughout this call. Record fees from Capital Solutions. We have a very clean book. We have zero hung deals, zero losses, and this is an amazing time to actually put on risk when everyone is retreating from risk. Let me turn to Athene for a moment. Athene averaged 900 million plus per week of inflows across all channels. Volume is interesting, but they're coming at near record spreads. Business in the second quarter produced 110 basis points of pre-tax net spread. We're able to do both the volume and the spread while actively upgrading the portfolio due to market volatility. The quarter was also incredibly important milestone. We added a Moody's rating of A1. Now puts that alongside our A-plus from S&P and our A-plus from Fitch. Athora also had an absolutely amazing quarter. We announced a sizable transaction in Germany, which will close at some point next year, we believe. Um, we also closed a deal in Italy this week, which will add about $5 billion of incremental fee-paying AUM. We added a new CEO, Mike Wells. Jim will touch on that. And you should expect us to do a sizable capital raise in the second half of this year, further bolstering Athora's firepower and growth. There is no entity in the European market that will have raised anywhere near what Athora has put together in terms of its capital base to become the premier consolidator in the European market. In terms of investment performance, PE outperformed the S&P 500 by 1,100 basis points in Q2 and more than 2,200 basis points year, year to date. The Athene's alt return, which represents a subset of what we do, a more downside protected, was plus six in Q2 versus minus 66 annualized for the S&P. A differentiated and downside protected portfolio is exactly what we want on a regulated balance sheet. In our yield business, Directed origination strategies were very strong contributors to the quarter. And as you recall, the vast majority of what we do in yield is top of the capital structure, senior secured. In markets like this, we do some of our best work, 
and $40 billion of gross capital was deployed across our business in Q2. Turning now to the three bets, um, capital solutions I've already touched on, and I know Jim will go into detail. Suffice it to say, coming into the market with a very clean book without any exposure gives us a lot of firepower at a point in time when everyone's pulling back. In origination, this is just a good time to originate assets. We originated $21 billion this quarter, $100 billion year-to-date, and we are a reliable source of financing when public markets and, in fact, private markets often do not cooperate. To give you a sense of how this is impacting some of our platforms, take our mid-cap, mid-market senior secured lending platform. For this half, there's 16% return on equity compared to low teens historically. This reflects a lot of firepower, a lot of capital, the absence of competition. We closed 17 new deals across 12 new relationships in June alone. First half origination volume, $9 billion, up 25% year over year. If I look at Wheels Donlin, which is our fleet leasing platform, our initial investment in Wheels Donlin was $2 billion of AUM in the first quarter of 21. Pro forma for the announced acquisition of lease plan and other growth during the year, we should close the year out at more than $7 billion of AUM across this platform. Finally, our transaction to purchase Aqua, another platform focused on home improvement, particularly solar, also closed last week. Business is performing well. Let me move now to global wealth. We are a scaled player in the global wealth business. We've been through with metrics over a period of time. Our brand is resonating across the global wealth platform. If I step back and think about where the industry is, we are in very, very early days. If you think about what we as an industry have offered the global high net worth community thus far, We've offered them REITs, BDCs, and private funds, essentially the same product set we have offered for more than 20 years. Not much new has been created for this market. The growth in this market, despite an older product set, has come as a result of institutional level of fees being offered to high net worth for the first time, and technology and market understanding which have made the products more accessible, more approachable, and more easily digestible by global wealth systems. We clearly will offer REITs, BDCs, and private funds and have successfully been doing that across our platform, and I know Jim will touch on some of that. But our desire here is to be positioned in this market as a thought leader and as an innovator and to create products specifically for this channel that really seek to eliminate friction points that historically have kept this channel from really embracing alternatives. Um, This quarter, right at the end, we announced the launch of AAA, Apollo-aligned alternatives. This is designed with the individual investor in mind. What we seek to do in AAA is to produce equity-like returns with fixed income-like volatility. AAA represents 180 different positions which have been put together over the past 13 years, which have a very fine track record and represent the entirety, with some limited exceptions, of Athene's equity account. Essentially, an individual investor gets to invest side-by-side with Apollo and Athene 
across its balance sheet in a way that is fully diversified, no J-curve, no two levels of fees, complete alignment, no capital calls. In a nuanced way, this is private and it is equity, but it is not private equity. This is not a replication of levered buyout or of private funds. This is fundamentally a replacement for S&P core equity holdings within an investor's allocation. Something to touch on that I said last time, we view this market alternatives in a very, very broad way. We view alternatives as nothing other than an alternative to publicly traded stocks and bonds. Historically, the alternatives universe has been looked at in the context of private equity or hedge funds, or now in the context of REITs and BDCs. I believe when we step back and really contemplate what we as an industry and we as a firm are capable of here, the definition and therefore the addressable market is just much, much larger. We launched this product with $15 billion of invested or committed capital, $10 billion off the theme balance sheet, $1.5 billion from Sumi Trust, which we announced at the end of July, and a sizable commitment from an Asia-based institutional investor and a high net worth money manager. Early conversations with Global Wealth are very encouraging. I believe that this has the potential to be the largest fund across the Aplowall platform by this time next year. But the hard work now begins for us to educate the market and really show the market how this product can be used as a core equity replacement product, forming the bedrock of a high net worth retail investor's equity portfolio in place of their S&P 500 exposure. Continuing on in global wealth, the acquisition of Griffin in all its various iterations is now completely closed. The integration is complete. Momentum is very positive. Solid fundraising year to date for our real estate interval fund, which now stands at about $7 billion of AUM, we could not be more pleased with how seamless the Griffin acquisition has gone. Let me also touch on ADS, our um, private market BDC. Again, off to an amazing start, particularly considering the macro backdrop. Almost a billion of inflows in Q2 against less than $2 million of redemptions. More than half the portfolio is now invested in directly originated loans as of the quarter end. And the opportunity to put capital to work where the market has taken a risk-off point of view is offering us really interesting opportunities at very nice spreads at very low LTVs. At the end of the day, this does, as I've often said, all come down to people. Nearly 100 new people joined Apollo in the second quarter. Some key hires, a head of family office, a head of insurance, third-party insurance marketing, head of digital assets, all of whom I believe will be well known to you and other constituents uh, as the months go by. These are truly outstanding people who see in Apollo what all of us see. We are at a size and scale where we are capable of doing anything, but we are small enough to still behave like entrepreneurs and to run our business around the principles of excess return per unit of risk, of aligned investing, and of purchase price matters. I would expect on a go-forward basis the pace of hiring will slow down. We are scaled. That does not mean we will not hire. 
we will still grow. But the vast scaling that we needed to do to accommodate our ambitious plans, which we set out at Investor Day, has largely been completed. Culture for us is very important. We are an in-office culture. We are back. Those who have visited us in person often remark they're shocked at just how active and in-person our office is. Uh, as I've said to some of our competitors, there's nothing like feeding people three meals a day to get them in the office. We have, for the past decade and longer, followed purchase price matters. We did not chase the hot dot. We never forgot that the business of investing was not just about reward. It was also about risk. I believe that is being perceived by our institutional clients and by our retail clients, and we are being trusted as good and responsible stewards of capital. Um, we completed an offsite this week, uh, Jim, Scott, Martin, myself, and others. It was about as optimistic and confident as I could convey. Um, we fully expect that the business plan that we laid out for all of you in October of past year uh, is well within our reach of doubling AUM, doubling earnings, and generating $15 billion of cash flow over the five-year period per our Investor Day comments. With that, let me turn the call over to Jim. Thanks, Mark. Our second quarter results showcase a virtuous flywheel effect we're witnessing across our business as it relates to capital formation, debt origination, and deployment. We generated very strong quarterly inflows of $36 billion, including $24 from asset management and $12 billion from retirement services, and the quarterly total would have been nearly 50 if included in the recent Fund 10 commitments that Mark cited. Our debt origination engine continued to source attractive investments during a very volatile and uncertain time in the public markets, generating $21 billion of volume. And across the platform, gross deployment totaled $40 billion in the second quarter and $175 billion over the last 12 months, which demonstrates the scale and breadth of our investing capabilities. There's a lot of great things to talk about across the firm right now, so my remarks this quarter will take you on a highlighted tour around the franchise. But first, I'll start with an important reminder. Many of you know that we have built our business to be resilient and excel in times of market dislocation. We manage long-dated and perpetual capital for our clients. We have a proven ability to find and create value and we can dil diligently wait for opportunity, opportune windows to monetize investments. As Mark highlighted, our approach is grounded in purchase price matters, i.e. price discipline, and a downside protection mentality that permeates everything we do. In moments like this, where levels of uncertainty are high and market volatility is elevated, we often will put significant amounts of capital to work as we did in the second quarter. We see a growing pipeline of attractive investing opportunities to deploy the $50 billion of dry powder we have across our yield, hybrid, and equity investing strategies. Starting with yield, our cautious positioning at the top of the capital structure, primarily in senior secured positions, has driven broad outperformance across our funds this year. Our direct origination strategy is appreciated by more than 3% in the second quarter, while corporate credit performance has held up well versus comparable benchmarks. With traditional sources of financing stepping back amid heightened volatility, we're seeing tremendous deal flow and our pipeline of near-term demand is quite robust. As spreads have widened, we've moved up the risk spectrum to generate the same attractive returns, 
For example, spreads on new issue large cap private direct lending investments are now exceeding 650 basis points over SOFR. Year to date through July, we've committed to 11 transactions of at least a billion in size, demonstrating the scale and certainty we can provide our clients in turbulent periods. We've also issued nine CLOs and opportunistically purchased over a billion of investment grade CLO tranches this year to date for both our retirement services clients and other accounts, with yields approaching 8 to 10% for AA to AAA B risk when considering original issue discounts that are infrequently available. We're also seeing tremendous opportunity for our hybrid funds as strategies that provide equity-like upside with structured downside protection are becoming more and more attractive. Our hybrid value franchise in particular proved quite resilient with our first vintage appreciating 1% in the second quarter and we held a final close for Accord 5 raising approximately $2 billion of capital in just a few short months. The deployment pipeline has grown quickly as companies are seeking bespoke solutions in this environment, and we expect to have a very active second half of the year. Interestingly, the collapse of growth equity markets has created a unique financing opportunity and challenge for once highly valued companies. We are aiming to capitalize on this dislocation for providing preferred equity and creative debt structurings. This is how purchase price matters mentality approaches the growth equity market. Turning to equity, our pipeline of investment opportunities is strong and we expect to deploy a meaningful amount of capital from our flagship private equity funds in the coming months. We have approximately one billion of remaining capital in fund nine to deploy before the fund is fully committed. In terms of successor, as of today, we have received 13 billion of commitments for Fund 10, representing more than half our total target of 25 billion. We are currently seeing strong support from both existing and new institutional investors, especially from outside the United States, and expect to raise a record amount of capital from the Global Wealth Channel. Despite the frequently discussed congestion dynamics in the market, we believe we are offering a differentiated product, and we may remain confident in meeting our target. Financially, we expect to benefit from a step up in FRE when we turn on Fund 10, which we currently expect will be sometime in the fourth quarter, and all capital raised subsequently will earn catch-up management fees from the commencement date. Moving to retirement services business, Athene is built to withstand market disruptions and prosper through them. Like our asset management business, we are not a current period profit maximizer, and instead manage a theme to possess significant capital flexibility and ample liquidity. This is exemplified by its 3.2 billion of excess equity liquidity and nearly 8 billion of cash within the portfolio at the end of the quarter. This posture allows us to be positioned offensively and defensively at the same time, and we view the current backdrop as a terrific environment for the business to grow. Athene provides customers value-generating savings product with principal protection features that have the durability to perform through stress, and we sleep well at night knowing that business is highly stable, predictable, and almost entirely supported by investment-grade rated assets. Within Athene's IG structured security allocation, 
you'll find the CLO por portfolio particularly resilient. For example, we believe triple B rated tranches issued today can withstand an annualized default of the underlying loan portfolio of approximately 11% for each of the five years without being impaired. For those interested in more information, we provide an in-depth analysis on Athene's investment portfolio, including helpful insights on structured securities as part of our retirement services business update from June that Noah mentioned. The attractiveness of, a, of Athene's product suite in a rising rate environment was also on full display in the second quarter with record quarterly inflows of $12 billion underwritten to attract attractive returns. Athene's retail annuity channel benefited from higher demand with record quarterly inflows of almost $4 billion and application submissions nearly doubling year over year. Second quarter activity also included a $4.3 billion pension group annuity transaction with Lockheed Martin, the largest deal of its kind in the industry so far this year. And we see a strong pipeline for that channel heading into the back of the year. Clearly, Athene's earnings power is growing in the current environment, and its balance sheet is not exhibiting any signs of stress from undue credit risk or unexpected withdrawals. There have been a couple of recent updates on, at Athora, our retirement services business in Europe. And in July, Athora announced that the appointment of Mike Wells as Group Chief Executive Officer, subject to regulatory approval. Mike is a well-respected seasoned leader within the industry, most recently serving as the CEO of Prudential PLC. Also in July, Athora announced a transaction with AXA Germany and expects to close on an annuities portfolio currently now valued at $19 billion by the end of next year. This transaction adds strategic scale to Athor's German business, which is Europe's second large retirement services market with nearly $1.2 trillion in reserves and an actionable pipeline of sizable transactions. To assist in their continued growth ahead of the deal close, Athene expects to participate as an anchor investor in an equity race for Athora in the second half of this year. The exit transaction and the planned deployment of the proceeds from the upcoming capital raise are expected to drive meaningful AUM growth for Athora over the next couple of years. Moving to our key strategic growth initiatives, our origination ecosystem is proving increasingly valuable in a period of rising interest rates and tightened liquidity. Over the last 12 months, our origination buy-ins totaled $100 billion, as we laid out in Investor Day, and included a higher proportion from proprietary origination platforms in the second quarter. Within the context of market weakness and dislocation, we're taking measured steps to opportunistically grow the ecosystem in line with our longer-term goals. For example, we had recently announced the acquisition of Lease Plan and subsequent combination with Wheels Donlin to create a unified fleet management platform. This is a prime example of our platform strategy, acquire expertise, bolt on tangential capabilities, and organically build scale. Pro forma for the lease plan integration, we expect fleet platform originations to total approximately $3 billion annually. Our capital solutions business, or ACS, had an outstanding quarter with record quarterly transaction fees of $103 million, showcasing our ability to step in with private capital 
when other sources of liquidity dry up. The full alignment we share with our retirement services balance sheet, augmented by our strategic partner, Bobadala, is proving to be a meaningful differentiator for financing counterparties since we can execute more transactions with greater scale and certainty than ever before. Our value add in this environment is resonating with third-party clients who want to own pieces of what we do side-by-side -side with us through managed accounts or syndication. One of our recent signature ACS transactions was a $2 billion financing for New Fortress Energy to form a liquefied natural gas maritime infrastructure platform. Over the last 24 months, we have grown our partnership with New Fortress from, from an initial $800 million loan into a comprehensive financing partnership. The transaction initially started as an equity investment from several pools of capital within our broader sustainable investing effort. But when third-party financing markets shut, we pivoted internally and provided $1.5 billion of debt financing via our ACS platform. When most capital market participants would have stepped away, we were able to complete our first-ever fully financed debt and equity transaction in a one-stop solution, all while providing flexible scale capital with certainty of execution. As you've heard us talk about, if you've heard us talk about before, we, act, we are actively working to bring yield, hybrid, and retirement services capabilities to new geographies. We took an important step in the second quarter and announced the launch of our new Asia-Pacific credit strategy with $1.25 billion in assets, including a $500 million anchor investment from Host Plus, a large superannuation fund in Australia. This commitment reflects the growing demand in the region for capital solutions from non-bank lenders with local expertise and origination capabilities. Earlier, Mark hit on a couple of newer product creation within our global wealth platform, but we've also taken an important step within our existing product suite to help further democratization of finance. Earlier this week, we announced transformative changes to accelerate the transition of our publicly traded BDC, Apollo Investment Corp, into a pure play senior secured middle market BDC by an equity investment from MidCap, our largest origination platform. We view this change as a unique opportunity for individual investors to participate side by side with the largest in institutional investors in the world. To enable this shift in strategy, we're reducing fees for the BDC to industry leading levels effective January 1, 2023. The portfolio transition and rebranding are now taking place, and we are excited about the future of this vehicle alongside our broader global wealth platform. As, as Scott spent some time speaking about last quarter, we're, see, we're seeing, seeking compelling growth opportunities in areas of white space that are tangential to some of our strongest and largest businesses. Early this morning, we announced a cornerstone commitment from longtime strategic partner Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, or ADIA, as part of a broad $4 billion of new commitments to launch a platform dedicated to GP and LP solutions, which we're calling Sponsor and Secondary Solutions, or short, S3. Our goal is to provide a comprehensive set of secondary and fund finance capital solutions, including private equity, credit, and real asset secondary investments, net asset value loans, GP lending, staking, and much more. We've already been active in this space, having committed or deployed 
more than $13 billion of capital to transactions of this nature over the last 12 months, and we think we're uniquely positioned to grow the business over the long term. Now, all the exciting developments I just walked through was just a highlight tour, which should indicate that we are busier than ever and see immense opportunity for the Apollo franchise to thrive in this market. I'll pause there and hand it over to Martin to discuss our financial results. Thanks, Jim, and good morning, everyone. Echoing uh, Mark and Jim's sentiment, second quarter results highlight the resiliency of our earnings power in a period of heightened market dislocation and volatility. Before diving into the detail of the quarter, I'd like to offer a few contextual points around this theme of earnings resiliency. First, our fee-related earnings continue to be driven primarily by management fees earned as the investment manager for our suite of investment strategies and perpetual capital vehicles. Year-to-date, nearly 85% of our fee-related revenue was comprised of management fees, while only 2% was comprised of more volatile fee-related performance fees. We have de minimis sensitivity to changes in interest rates or spreads, which we've, hi- we've previously highlighted. In a quarter where equity markets declined by 16%, treasuries sold off by 12%, and spreads widened, we experienced only an approximate 1% drag on our management fees from market-driven declines. And despite investments that we've been making around the platform in preparation for our next leg of multi-year growth, we're doing so in a margin-conscious way and maintaining a high level of efficiency with an FRE margin level above the peer average. Next, our spread-related earnings are highly durable and possess all-weather characteristics since they are largely generated by the performance of hold-to-maturity investment-grade fixed-income assets exceeding a predictable and persistent cost of funds, a simple financial model with massive strategic benefit. Over the past eight years, SRE has had a 90% correlation with FRE, and historical credit losses have, have been below industry average, amounting to single-digit basis points per annum. Furthermore, the amount of Athene capital supporting SRE generation will decline over time due to the increasing usage of third-party sidecar capital via ADA, given the attractiveness of this earnings profile to sophisticated institutional investors. Given all these factors, it's clear that spread-related earnings are both highly resilient and highly attractive. Turning now to results for the quarter, total AUM reached a new record of $515 billion at the end of June, increasing 9% year-over-year, driven by robust inflows from both asset management and retirement services. Sequentially, AUM increased modestly as strong inflows of $36 billion were offset by $16 billion of unrealized mark-to-market depreciation, $11 billion of which related to Athora, as well as $8 billion of normal course outflows from Athene and Athora, as well as $7 billion of realizations. Our fee-generating AUM, which is less sensitive to changes in market values, increased by $5 billion on a sequential basis. Importantly, Athene and Athora are spread-based businesses with duration-matched assets and liabilities, and therefore higher rates or wider spreads do not negatively impact profitability, but instead temporarily reduce AUM. Inflows from our asset management business totaled $24 billion in the second quarter and included $8 billion of financing across several strategies, such as credit strategies, 
a Quad 5, a Quad Plus, total return, and several yield managed accounts, as well as some of our newer funds, namely AAA and Asia Pacific Credit. We also added $8 billion of yield AUM and, and $6.5 billion of yield fee generating AUM from our acquisition of Griffin Capital's US management business, which closed in early May. Looking to the second half of the year, we expect AUM will benefit from approximately $20 billion of identified inflows before consideration of organic growth from Athene and other asset management fundraising. We expect these identified inflows to include initial commitments for Fund 10, additional third-party commitments for AAA, and a sizable seed investment from Audia for our S3 platform launch, which Jim just mentioned. Second quarter, FRE totaled $341 million, or $0.57 cents per share, increasing 7% year-over-year. Fee-related revenues increased 14% year-over-year, demonstrating solid growth despite market weakness. Management fees totaled $522 million and included $16 million of fees from the acquisition of Griffin Capital. As Jim noted, transaction fees reached a new quarterly record of $103 million in the second quarter. Compensation and non-compensation expenses increased increase sequentially as the impact of the Griffin acquisition and a higher firm headcount continues to flow through our run rate cost base. Entering the back half of the year, we have a visible pipeline of fee-related revenue growth driven by increasing management fees, including the commencement of Fund 10 sometime in the fourth quarter, as well as stronger transaction fees expected in the second half relative to the first half from our ACS business. We also expect expenses in the second half of the year to continue to increase as we near the end of our accelerated growth phase. We're highly confident in meeting our $2.35 per share FRE guidance for 2022 as we initially outlined at our investor day, and which included lower growth in the first half of 22 and higher growth in the second half. Looking to 2023, we expect fee-related revenue growth to exceed 20% due to broad-based momentum across our established businesses, as well as traction in newer growth initiatives that both Mark and Jim outlined, coupled with operating leverage improvements as the pace of investment spend and hiring normalizes. Moving to our, our retirement services segment, we generated SRE of $442 million, or $0.74 cents per share, in the second quarter, which represents a net spread of 95 basis points as a percent of average net invested assets. Normalizing our alternative returns to 11%, as we did in the first quarter by normalizing down to 11%, and excluding certain notable items, SRE was $535 million in the second quarter, equivalent to a normalized net spread of 115 basis points. On a sequential basis, our normalized net spread increased by seven basis points, primarily from higher net floating rate income. As we've discussed before, this earnings accretion from rising rates demonstrates the counter-cyclicality of Athene's business model, and we expect the benefit of higher rates to continue to ramp through SRE. Athene's alternatives portfolio generated a 6% annualized return in the second quarter, which was very resilient in light of a 66% annualized decline in the S&P 500, and an 11% annualized return in the first half of the year, in line with our normalized return assumption. Athene's alternatives portfolio is highly diversified and constructed to generate equity-like returns with significant downside protection. 
About half of the portfolio is invested in Apollo and other fund investments, which generated an 8% annualized return in the second quarter. This strength was primarily from Athene's investments in real estate that benefited from cash flow-related uh, property-specific updates. Specific, uh, sorry, strategic origination platforms, which comprise about a quarter of Athene's portfolio, returned 7% in the quarter, as several of our investments continued to perform well given the contractual and predictable nature of the underlying assets. The remaining portion of the alternative portfolio contains strategic retirement services investments, which had a 3% annualized return despite drag from one public position. Retirement services industry observers are generally aware of an accounting policy change that is approaching next year called Long Duration Targeted Improvement, or LDTI. While other companies may experience significant impacts to their balance sheets with the implementation of LDTI, we do not expect the adoption of the standard to have a material effect on our results or capital levels given recent purchase gap accounting adjustments made in conjunction with the Athene merger close. Turning to principal investing, we reported PII of $20 million or three cents per share in the second quarter. We recognized realized performance fees of $151 million. For the first half of the year, our PII comp ratio equaled 57% and is trending towards our long-term target of between 60 and 70%. Given continued weakness in the public markets, we expect monetization activity will remain light in the back half of the year, which will likely result in PII for 2022 below our target of a dollar a share on average over the, over the planning cycle. We're using our, our overall strong cash flow generation to capitalize on the current equity market dislocation. As part of our five-year plan, we expect to generate $15 billion of capital to use for shareholder value creation, including $5 billion to fund the, the base dividend, $5 billion for, for strategic growth investments, and $5 billion for dividend growth and opportunistic buybacks. During the second quarter, we spent approximately $230 million to repurchase 4.3 million shares from our opportunistic share purchase reauthorization. This repurchase activity served to offset the 3.9 million of shares issued related to our acquisition of Griffin Capital. We will continue to evaluate the benefit between allocating capital towards opportunistic buybacks and long-term investments in view of our share price. We feel very comfortable with our liquidity position in this macro backdrop. At the end of the quarter, our net balance sheet value was $2.1 billion, or approximately $3.50 per share, which included cash and equivalents of $2 billion. Our financial strength was further validated by third-party rating agencies over the past few months. In May, Fitch upgraded Athene's ratings from A to A+, reflecting a vote of confidence in our earnings outlook and capital strength. And in July, Moody's assigned strong first-time investment-grade ratings to both sides of the business, A1 for Athene's insurance subsidiaries and A2 for Apollo Asset Management. Within their assessment, Moody cited Athene's strong market positioning and capital levels, as well as the scale, breadth, and performance of our asset management business. We view these assessments as an important third-party validation of the financial strength of the combined franchise and the enhanced financial flexibility we possess together. And with that, I'll turn the call back to the operator for Q&A. As a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. 
please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes to the line of Glenn Shore from Evercore ISI. We're interested in the uh, the AAA product. Uh, I wonder if I could ask a couple of quick follow-ups on on um, fee structure, liquidity, and K1 1099, and 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 then um, how the how the securities port over. You know, at what marks is there a third party involved? Uh, just curious on all that. Thanks so much. Um, Glenn, thank you. It's Mark. Um, I, I will be somewhat circumspect in what I can say because uh, we're not. This is not a marketing uh, of AAA. But suffice it to say that essentially what investors are being allowed to do is to invest side by side with a roughly $10 billion portfolio of 180 different investments that have been curated specifically for Athene over the past 12 to 13 years. In terms of porting them over and the valuation, Athene has produced audited financials and NAV for as long as we've been having these conversations. And in fact, there are visible marks in every quarter. And so you should assume that everything was ported over at NAV. In terms of liquidity, um, for Athene and for institutional investors, um, th they are coming in and they are essentially not, they're agreeing not to take liquidity for up to five years. For Athene, as you know, we expect Athene's participation in this to go from roughly $10 billion to $20 billion over the next five years, just based on the forecast of Athene provided at Investor Day. For investors who want more liquidity, there is a slightly higher fee structure, and liquidity is limited to 5% per quarter at NAV across the vehicle. Keep in mind that this is a, a replacement for equity rather than private equity. It has the characteristics on the benchmark. It's benchmarking against the S&P with a historical volatility level more consistent with fixed income. So hopefully that met, uh, answered all your questions. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Alexander Blustein from Goldman Sachs. Actually, Ryan Bailey on behalf of Alex. Um, so regarding the 13 billion that was committed thus far for Fund 10, um, you're expecting record contribution from the Global Wealth Channel. Can you help us think through how much of that 13 billion was reserved for distribution partners? And, does reserved mean the same thing as a typical commitment? Uh, and maybe you could just, if you could give us some color on, on who those distribution partners were sort of categorically, that would be very helpful too, please. Well, let me, let me just say that the, the vast, vast majority uh, is the institutional channel, which we know and which, which historically been part of us. A non-material amount was the, was the non-traditional institutional channel or the global wealth channels. You know, there, there's four parts of that, but historically, whenever we've gone out to the global wealth channel, they've all come back with commitments well in excess of their allocation. So the, the big picture is really $13 billion. The big picture is really the institutional business who's driven us. Now, certainly as we talk about global wealth playing a larger part of our fundraising from 5% to a larger portion over time, this they are participating in fund, in fund, in fund 10. But it's really an institutional story like it always has been. Thank you. 
Our next question comes from the line of Craig Siegenthaler from BOFA. Good morning, everyone. Um, my first one is on cash flow. Um, I'm curious, how much capital did you dividend up to Apollo from this three at the insurance entities in 2Q relative to the 442 of spread-related earnings? Hey, Craig, it's Martin. So we're, we're, um, we're using the, the same frame that we outlined last year, which is $750 million per year. So we're just, we're just clipping away that each quarter. Um, Athena is, is clearly uh, very profitable in generating cash flow, but it's also growing uh, significantly. And so, you know, we, we would expect that level of cash flow upstreaming to continue at current levels. And we'll reevaluate that from time to time. But Athena, you know, Athena has massive growth opportunities in front of it, and that's contributed to the, to the 20, 24 billion of inflows so far this year. Uh, Craig, assume it's, it's just evenly over four quarters. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Patrick David from Autonomous Research. Thanks. Um, my question is on capital. Um, I guess, Mark, do you still view the stock as the best use of capital here? And through that lens, is 2Q, is the 2Q kind of run rate a good guide for what you can do per quarter as long as the price is slow? Look, we, uh, uh, I, I don't want to think we're unique. Every management team thinks their stock is undervalued. We particularly think our stock is undervalued, and we had the flexibility this quarter to buy it back, and we did. Um, as I've, I've said previously, one needs to earn the money to spend before you get to spend it. So uh, we have a framework that we think about in terms of capital allocation, which Martin went through, which is roughly $5 billion for the existing dividend, $5 billion allocated to growth, and $5 billion, which we have the potential to be flexible on. And clearly at these current levels, uh, I, I, there's no lack of unanimity in the room. Uh, our stock is the best place for that capital. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Bedell from Deutsche Bank. Folks, um, I have a bunch of questions on AAA. I'll, I'll just limit it to a couple for now and get back in the queue if they're not answered uh, subsequently. But maybe just um, just to um, be clear on the investment strategy for this, is this um, you know very similar to the Athene portfolio that, that's, that you profile on page 16, so kind of targeting a, say, 11% normalized return? Um, and, and then maybe any commentary on how, uh, if that's not the case, how, how this might be managed differently, such as like having a dynamic allocation feature. Uh, and then um, if you're able to talk about um, the performance fee structure at all uh, in terms of just how we should be thinking about if this grows, uh, like you say, Mark, you know, to be the biggest fund, how it could be adding to performance fee-related fees. And I imagine that's very different for the institutional classes versus the retail classes? Uh, let, let, me start, let me start in reverse. It's not very different. This, what's interesting here is our approach to this. This is a fund that we started down the road to create for high net worth. And the, the, the concept here was to really do something that the market had never seen before. No capital calls, no J-curve, $10 billion of aligned capital, some liquidity for high net worth, no liquidity for institutions, no two layers of fees. 
Athene, as a large institutional investor, you should assume strikes the hardest bargain and is generally the lowest fee payer. So we start with the notion that we should not charge fees on top of that and that the investor should have the single best experience. The way that manifests itself in terms of positivity for our business is we had $10 billion of capital. That is now $15 billion of capital, which is accelerating our investments in platforms. It's accelerating our investments in co-invests. It's accelerating our investments in new funds. And the underlying economics are simply passed through. It's a flywheel. This is how we scale our business. What was interesting is although we designed this product for, for retail, along the way to the retail launch, three very large institutions thus far have concluded that this actually meets all of their needs, diversification by vintage and by product, you know, and no, no capital calls, no two levels of fees. And so we are fortunate to be able to launch the product with 15 billion of commitments, 10 in-house and five from three large institutional investors. I'm very optimistic as to how this goes, but like every retail product, it's now up to us to implement and to prove success. I also like that our benchmark here is not private equity. Private equity, as I've said previously, is a fabulous business, but it is not infinitely scalable. What I like about this is we have lots of opportunities to scale it because the return targets, uh, while I'm not advertising, are much more consistent with premiums to S&P 500 and premiums to where uh, we have assumed a normalized rate of return rather than something that begins with a two-handle or high teams. So hopefully that's sufficient. Thank you. Our next question comes in the line of Rufus Hone from Bank of Montreal. Oh, great. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. I wanted to come back to the global wealth business and appreciate your comments on, on AAA, but uh, you've talked about one to two new products per quarter for several quarters, and I was curious, how, how does that pipeline look and what products are you particularly excited about uh, beyond uh, AAA? Thank you. Sure. Thank you for the question. So uh, when we were in Investor Day last year, we really talked about having uh, – we talked about products really in two big buckets. Um, perpetual products and episodic products. And, you know, at that period of time, we arguably had, you know, three to four products, one in the perpetual area, uh, Apollo Debt Solutions, and a couple more in the in the episodic. Turning the clock forward uh, to 20, where we are right now, um, you know, we really have, you know, almost nine products uh, in the perpetual, probably a handful more in the perpetual, Perpetual products and episodic products. And, you know, at that period of time, we arguably had, you know, three to four products, one in the perpetual area, uh, Apollo Debt Solutions, and a couple more in the, in the episodic. Turning the clock forward uh, to 20, where we are right now, um, you know, we really have, you know, almost nine products uh, in the perpetual, probably a handful more in the perpetual than we do in the episodic. Uh, you know, all know about the Apollo Debt Solutions, our, our non-traded BDC. People also may have re recall that when, when, we, when we did this Griffin transaction, we inherited a couple of vehicles. So really the product set is growing. It's broad. We're making sure there's a theme here that, you're, that, that Mark has mentioned. We want to obviously, you know, execute 
on what has been proven to garner demand, some yield and BDC and reproducts, but we have a variety of a, a broader approach that we're bringing. So very, very happy with not only the feet on the ground uh, in wholesaling and product creation and selling agreements, but the product set um, is really Investors think about the investment, maybe what it competes with as an asset class, and is there any sensitivity there um, to credit spreads moving in and out? Um, uh, again, it's Mark. I'll start at the back. The answer is no. We run a matched book, and we offset um, the liabilities that we take on in the retirement services business with fixed income at roughly the same time we take them on. Changes in credit spreads do not matter. Um, the initial ADIP was for three and a quarter billion. Um, ADIP has performed extraordinarily well. As I sometimes joke with uh, some of you, um, those in particular who have a, had a more negative view of retirement services, it's such a negative business that investors compete and pay us fees to be able to invest in retirement services. We expect to go out and raise a successor to ADIP2, ADIP1 uh, based on the success and performance of ADIP1, which is well ahead of the benchmarks promised investors and would expect that the fund would be somewhere in the $3.5 to $5 billion range, consistent with how we see growth in the retirement services sector in the U.S. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jerry O'Hara from Jeffries. Thanks for uh, taking my question this morning. I guess with respect to the uh, the allocation to alternatives within the uh, the Athene portfolio, this is clearly proving to be a, a strong, you know, diversified return stream. So curious if there's any consideration of of increasing that allocation. And then I suppose uh, on a related basis, is there any concern of increased regulatory oversight as, uh, as clearly some of your peers have um, taken a similar approach? Thank you. So the answer is um, we historically at Athene have run a 95% plus minus fixed income book of which better than 90% of that is investment grade. And there is no plan to deviate for that or to take increased um, exposure to alternative investments. In, in terms of regulation, uh, retirement services is a regulated business. We have over the past 12, 13 years developed the expertise to operate in this business. Uh, and fully expect to continue to operate in the manner and the methods uh, by which we've operated to date. I think there has been a significant tuition paid over a better part of a decade, which others who would like to do what we have done are going to need to pay. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Chris Kotowski from Oppenheimer. Um, mine were actually asked, asked and answered. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Adam Beatty from UBS. The question, I want to ask about organic growth in retirement services. Um, at the business update, you pointed out the historical kind of ability and willingness to shift the emphasis among the four different channels based on prevailing conditions. So, you know, assuming your overall target is, is still good for this year, you know, just wondering, given the distinct 
backdrop that we have right now, you know, where you're seeing opportunities and where maybe you're you're hanging back a little bit more. Thank you. Look, the, the two strongest channels are clearly the retail fixed annuity channel, which is going as strong as it has ever gone. I mean, I think Jim or Martin cited that applications are up 100% year over year, record quarters, uh, record weeks almost every week. Uh, the other place we're seeing really strong growth is in pension group annuities. Um, the tick up in rates, the tick up in spreads have given those entities that were close to being able to close out an older retirement plan uh, a greater ability to do that. And we're watching that very carefully and had a very strong uh, first six months. We're also seeing good progress uh, on reinsurance, particularly on the flow basis. The one engine that you would expect that is not firing uh, is the FABN market, which is uh, negatively impacted by higher rates and higher spreads. But there's been plenty to do. And the numbers, as you know, are well beyond the record year that we had last year and continue to be very strong. And they're actually quite strong across the industry. This has been a pretty good year for the whole sector, although if you don't have lots of excess capital, you're not really able to take full advantage of it. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Patrick David from Autonomous Research. Uh, my my follow-up was asked. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Bedell from Deutsche Bank. Brian. One moment while the participant's line loads. His line will be open momentarily. We can move ahead to the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Glenn Shore from Evercore ISI. Pardon me one moment while his line loads. Maybe that's a good place to end it if we're experiencing technical difficulties. Um, on behalf of our team, I'd just like to thank everyone joining uh, for joining this morning and for your continued interest in our business. Of course, if you have, as usual, if you have any follow-up questions on anything discussed on today's call, please feel free to reach out to us. And we, of course, look forward to speaking with you again next quarter. Thanks, everyone. This concludes today's conference call. Thanks for participating. You may now disconnect.